Wash your face, brush teeth, come to sleep, behead. Here's your clothes and your shoes. Hear the words I said. Get up now. Get up, make your bed. Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you wearing that? Where's your books and your lunch and your homework? And grab your coat and your gloves and your scarf and hat. Don't forget, you gotta feed the cat. Eat your breakfast. The experts tell us it's the most important meal of all. Take your vitamins so you will grow up one day to be big and tall. Here's a win for the orthodontist. We'll be seeing you at three today. Don't forget your piano lesson is this afternoon, so you must play. Don't shovel too slowly, but hurry. The bus is here. Be careful. Come back here. Did you walk? Behind your ears, play outside. Just play fair, be polite, make a friend. Don't forget to share. Wait your turn, work it out. Never take a dare. Get along. Come up and come down. Then clean your folks. Throw some stuff away. Make your bed. Do it now. We don't have all day. Were you born in a barn? Would you like some hay? Can you even hear a word I say? Get off the phone. Don't sit so close. Turn it down. No texting at the table. No more computer time tonight. Your iPod's my iPod. If you don't listen up, we're going in with whom and what time do you think? You're coming home. Say thank you, please. Excuse me. Makes you welcome everywhere you roam. Appreciate my wisdom someday when you're older and you're grown. Can't wait to have a couple little children of your own. You'll thank me for the counsel I gave you so willingly. But right now, I thank you not to roll your eyes at me. Close your mouth when you chew. We'd appreciate. Take a bite, maybe two of the stuff you hate. Use your fork. Get a burp or I'll set you straight. Eat the food. I put it on your plate. Get an egg. Get a dorm if it's fire with me. Get a grip. Get a care. I'll count you three. Get a job. Get a life. Get a PhD. Get a dose of started and you're grounded until you're 36 get your story straight and tell the truth for once for heaven's sakes and if all your friends jumped off a cliff would you jump too if i've said it once i've said at least a thousand times before that you're too old to act this way it must be your father's dna look at me when i am talking stand up straighter when you walk a place for everything Everything must be in place. Stop crying or I'll give you something real to cry about. Oh. Brush your teeth, wash your face, get your PJs on, get in bed, get a hug, say a prayer with mom. Don't forget, I love you. And tomorrow we will do this all again because the moms work never ends. You don't need the reason why. Because, 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 because. I said so, I said so, I said so, I said so. I'm the mom, the mom, the mom, the mom. Ta-da! <laughs> Isn't that great? And all the moms said, yes. <laughs> and you thought your mom was the only one that said things like that. The first time I ever saw this, I went, you've got to be kidding. It's universal. We all say the same thing. It's crazy. I love it. Well, um, this morning I'm going to be sharing some of that crazy tension that uh, is built up in all of us moms. And, aww, aww. Fred, you're so wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> aww. These are the leftovers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he said it's the leftovers. <laughs> Ta-da! No. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Pastor Senior, can you help me? Oh, <laughs> life gets really crazy and really full sometimes, and there are points where we just feel like we have to be everything to everyone all the time, and that just is unrealistic, but sometimes we don't think so. 
So we uh, try to step up to do that. And sometimes we even step over the line and try to take God's place and directing where things need to go and what, they, what needs to happen. Life gets a little chaotic. Some friends and I are reading a book called Unglued. So I just want to read just one portion of it, of some of the chaos that happened in this particular mom's life. Sheer panic had me banging on the Control-Alt-Delete button simultaneously. Please, no! No, 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 no! I turned off the computer, rebooted, and hoped beyond all reason that this little glitch was just, in fact, little. Please work. I urgently whispered, hoping to appeal to the tender inside of this machine that I don't have any clue how to fix. My daughter had wanted to show me something really cool on the computer, so we snuggled up, waited for the website to load, and suddenly a black warning box flashed up instead, covering most of the screen. You know it's not a good sign when your computer screen demands you to send $49.95 via credit card to the internet security program because you've been infected with something that only they can fix. I knew it had to be a scam. But I also knew that whoever was behind it had no concern for me. And then she goes on to talk about um, her, her daughter's uh, in, intention to get this project done. She said, well, I'll call and we'll figure this out. So she, I picked up my phone. I called my computer guy only to discover something had also messed with my phone. My entire contact list had been erased. What? This one wasn't even close to the computer. You've got to be kidding. You have got to be kidding, I yelled while I banged on the side of the phone and my wrist. Surely some sideways jolt would get this phone back into place and connect what was disconnected. Things got worse. I suddenly felt like I was living out the lyrics of a bad country song. Sorry, Jody. Uh, <laughs> when in addition to all things technical going wrong, my dog started getting sick all over my bedroom carpet. Of course, it had to be the carpet. 90% of the flooring downstairs was either wood or tile, which was easy cleanup, but no. Nothing was going to be easy at this moment. Nothing. Well, she goes on. I'll just kind of summarize it. She goes on and takes the computer in to the computer guy. Indeed, it is crashed. And she has to, um, hey, well, she asked, can, can you get anything off of it? Can you save anything? He said, yeah, I can save quite a few things. And so he puts on it an external drive. And um, then she proceeds to buy a new computer. And they copy everything from the external drive to that new computer. And it's just a, um, a very short time later, let's see how long it was. I think it was a month. She said, yes, one month later, her computer's stolen. What? And she panics, goes to the computer guy, and he said, but wait. We have the external drive. Everything's on it. She goes, ah, yes. Ah, yes, we do. Now, here's the point. Had my computer never gotten that virus, I would have never taken time to back up my computer. That virus that had once seemed like a curse became a precious gift in more ways than one. In that moment, I caught a glimpse of how crucial perspective is. And that's really what I want to talk to you about this morning is perspective. Um, you know, the situation didn't change. It was still stolen, but she had what she needed. And she learned from that. You know, there are so many things that happen in our life and it just seems chaotic. But how we respond has to do with perspective. And I really want to talk about two different perspectives today. One is microscopic and the other one is telescopic. And, and really the, the point there is that for the microscopic view of things, it's something very small. And we use the microscope to make it large. And sometimes we do that in our life. It's just a small thing. 
but we just get so close and, and we make it huge and it, we make it a big deal and it isn't really a big deal. I'm not saying what's in biology or anything, those aren't big deals. I'm just saying for us. <laughs> you know, we, we can really make large something that isn't large at all and we kind of throw things out of proportion and we get panicky. And then there's the telescopic view. We use a telescope to look at something that's huge. We can't even imagine how huge it is. It's beyond our understanding. And we need that telescope to bring something that was unfathomable closer to us. And we can begin to start to learn and grasp. And I really feel like the Lord is saying, I want you to approach things telescopically because I am so much bigger than you think I am. And if you just spend time with me, we can get close. And you will find out. I will become close to you. You'll see that I can do this, that I've got this. So we're going to look at two women to see their different perspectives. And, um, okay, I'm doing this in the iPad. I tried to do it with paper last night. It didn't work too well. So this is my first time being techie. So I might need to call on somebody else, too, to help. <laughs> um, I can call Anita. Ta-da! I don't think she'll help, but anyway. The first mom functions um, in an, well, a, a person, or she's a person who takes a lot of initiative, which is great. And you'll see that early as in our examples. It's wonderful. But she's such a go-getter that she goes beyond the line and she takes a lot of initiative without wisdom and it becomes a problem. The second mom is one who functions in faith. And so let's take a look at our first gal. We read the story in Genesis 24 and it goes through 27 and 28. But we see her for the first time in Genesis 24 and her name is Rebecca. Now let me set the stage for you just a little bit. Abraham, years prior, and his wife Sarah had a son, and his name was Isaac. So now, Abraham's getting a little bit older, and he said, I, I need a, a, a wife for my son Isaac. So he says to ser his servant, um, I don't really want my son to have a wife from the Canaanite tribe. Um, I, I would like her to be of like mind and heritage. So go back to the place from which we came and find a wife for my son Isaac. So the servant heads out, and as he gets close to that area, he stops, he goes, this is, this is such a huge job. How am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to know who the right person is for my master's son? I, I don't know. So he stops and he prays, and he says, Lord, when I stop for a drink, the first woman that not only gives me a drink, but then goes beyond and says, let me take care of your camels and your animals and your whole clan. Let me take care of them too. That will be the woman. So he gets close, sees the well, the distance. Before he even starts to totally get situated, she comes up and says, can I get you a drink? You know, he's... He's drinking, barely finishes that. She goes, let me, let me take care of the animals for you too, the camels. Let me take care of all that. It's like, ah, oh, he bows down. Thank you, God, this is it. She's the one. He gives her gifts, lavishes them on her. She says, I want to take you to my dad, to my family. They go. The servant tells the whole story. And the family sees fit that this is fine. This is good. 
And he said, well, we'll leave in the morning. The mom and the brother say, I don't know about that. Now, give us 10 days so we can say goodbye. We can have some parties and celebrate, you know. They said, but, but we'll go ahead and ask her. So they go to her, and, and they say, Rebecca, do you, do you want to go with this man now, or do you want to stay home for a little while? She goes, no, I'm ready to go. I'll go with him. This shows some wonderful initiative, and she's ready to move. She takes the initiative. She's ready to go. It's wonderful. They go back, and it, before they even get to where they're going back in Canaan, from afar off, she sees this man walking in the fields, and she said to the servant, who is that? And he said, oh, that's my master's son. You know, that's him. <gasps> she puts a veil on. They meet. The servant tells Isaac the whole story. He's so excited about it. It's got to be God. She becomes his wife. And he loves her dearly. Now, here's an interesting thing. He marries her at 40 years old. And they weren't able to have children for a long time. Isaac cries out to the Lord. Please, let my wife have a child, have a son. Well, she becomes pregnant, but not just with one boy, but two boys. She's got twins. And here, is, this is interesting. The Lord came to Rebecca. So this isn't a woman that is resisting God. She's hearing God. She's, she's got a lot. So here's, here's interest. This is the first encounter she has um, with the Lord in this way. The Lord says to her, the sons in your womb will, will become two rival nations. One nation will be stronger than the other. The descendants of your older son will serve the descendants of your younger son. So she knows this is happening. She gets it from the Lord himself. Now, as they grow up, daddy likes Esau. Esau works in the field, does all the grunt work. Yeah. And then Jacob is kind of home. He just Loves interior decorating. I don't know what he likes. <laughs> he likes hanging out at home. <laughs> um, and, and so he just likes to do all those kinds of things. So each of them have their favorites. And I'll just do a little side note here that favoritism can be destructive in a family. So, you know, I think there's a lesson there too for all of us to be sure that the love that God has for our kids is the love we exhibit uh, to them. So now here we are. Now, Isaac's getting old. Can't see too well. He knows it's time. It's coming. He's going to be passing on. So he calls in his firstborn. Oh, wait a second. I've got to tell you one story prior to that. Since Esau was working in the fields and he get really hot, one day he came in, he was famished. So, so, so hungry. Jacob, since he's a home guy, he had made some stew. Esau makes stew too. But today, Jacob had it ready. He says, give me some of that. I'm starving. Well, I'll make a deal with you. Um, your birthright for the stew. What? I'm starving. Well, you know, hey, it is what it is. Take it, leave it. You know? He takes it. All right, all right, I'm hungry. So he eats it. So he gives up his birthright. That's just the, when the firstborn gets pretty much everything. So he gave that up prior, a long time ago. So here we are now, back at Isaac. Can't see, getting ready to die. Calls in his son, Esau, and he says, listen, it's time for me to give the blessing. I want you to go out, you know, find some wild game and fix it all up. And you know the way I like it and just bring it in and I'll eat from it from what you made and, and I'll pronounce the blessing on you. 
Well, unbeknownst to Isaac, his wife is behind the sheepskin or whatever it is. And she's hearing all this. And she goes, ah, ha, I remember the word of the Lord. I got to put my plan into action here. So she runs out and says, Jacob, now, come here. So she puts this whole plan into play. No, Esau cannot get that blessing. It's got to be yours. It's got to be yours. Makes the whole plan. She makes the stew, and he goes, Mom, this isn't going to work. I don't even smell like him. He's hairy. I'm not even hairy. Did you know the name Esau means hair? Because he came out, he had so much hair on him when he was born. So they named him Esau. You know, I don't got that. You know, I'm the bald kid. You know? And she goes, I got it. I got it. So that she takes the skins, puts them on his arms, puts them all in his neck, you know, makes him wear the clothes so he smells like he saw like the fields. And she's got this whole thing covered. Goes in, takes it. Father, it's I. Who is it? It's Esau. Sounds like Jacob. Come here. He touches him. He says, well, you smell like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. Hmm. And he said, no, 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 it's, it's me, the deceiver. He's kind of tricking him there. And he said, okay, so he eats, and he gives him the blessing. Here's the blessing he gives to Jacob. May God always give you plenty of dew for healthy crops and good harvest of grain and wine. May many nations become your servants. May you be the master of your brothers. May all your mother's sons bow before you. All who curse you are cursed. All who bless you are blessed. He just finishes giving the blessing. The meal's done. Jacob barely gets out of the tent, and in comes Esau with his. You know, here, here Dad. Can I give you? I, wh who are you? It's Esau, your son. I, I just gave the blessing away. No, Esau cries out. He cries out. There's got to be something for me. So the, his dad gives him a little something, something, and you know. But it's not the initial blessing. What happens with that is Esau is so livid. He said, first he got my birthright. Now he gets my blessing. I'm going to kill the guy. I'm going to kill him. And he wasn't joking. He wanted to kill him. So mama says, Jacob, you better hightail it out of here. Get going. Move it. So here's some things that happened because of that. A mama lost her son. She never saw him again. Um, she presumed that God couldn't take care of his word. We don't want to do that. If God said it, God will do it. We don't have to make it happen. And again, I appreciate the initiative. I, you know, I'm a person of initiative, and I know a lot of you women are. But this is where we need to be careful. When God says, this is mine... You know, and I say it. He says, I'll fulfill it. Because what happened then, these two brothers were estranged for many years. And then God tells Jacob, I want you to go back. God's really redeemed Jacob. He sends him back, and he's petrified. But my brother's going to kill me. So he sends out this little entourage in front of him. It's not little. It's, it seems little because he sends him out in pieces. He sends a servant with a bunch of animals, let's say camels. or, And then they meet Esau. Who are you? I'm the servant of your brother Jacob. He's coming behind me. And then here comes the other little gift with the servant. Who are you? 
servant of your brother Jacob. He's coming behind me. And this goes on and on and on. He's behind me. He's behind me. He's behind me. Because Jacob is just paving the way. Blessings. Let's just give blessings so he doesn't kill me. <laughs> and then pretty soon, finally, here comes Jacob. And he's just, you know, I'm so sorry. And he said, I forgive you. So the brothers are reconciled, but then they decide to separate as far as their, their clan goes, their groupings, because they've developed families by that. Esau heads down and becomes Edom. Edom means red, and it's from the red stew. So Edom is over here, and Jacob becomes Israel. So now we have end up with two nations, Edom and Israel, that fight for centuries. In fact, they're still fighting today. So sometimes we have no idea the wake that will take place once we try to step in and do what God is going to do. And I, this is not just a lesson for moms. This is for all of us. When God says he's going to do it, God's faithful to his word. So interesting stuff there. Hang on. There we go. I'm not really sure why Rebecca stepped in to do that. It could have been... Maybe for a little bit of fear. She had a lot of initiative, but maybe a little bit of fear. When she heard that that blessing was going to be given, wow, this is crunch time, and I don't see God doing anything. I got this. I got this. Do we ever do that? I got this. Okay, wow, it's got to happen now. I got it. Maybe it's a little bit of pride. I can handle this. This is good. We will make this happen. Whatever the reason is, we want to surrender things to Christ. We want to surrender things to Christ. Let's go to our second story. This story is said in Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10. And uh, this is the woman that functioned in faith. And she is a slave girl in Egypt. Now, um, this isn't really the best place to have kids in slavery. You know, then your kids are enslaved as well. But let me give you a little background on this. You remember Joseph, um, years prior, years and years prior, he was sold by his brothers, put in a pit, sold to Potiphar as a slave in Egypt. It seemed like everything this man touched, God turned to gold because his blessing was upon him. And, and Joseph just sought the Lord. So he becomes the one in charge of the entire household. The only thing that Potiphar withheld from him is his wife. And that was fine with Joseph, but it wasn't fine with his wife. His wife wanted him. He resisted. He fled from her. She grabbed his coat, said that he was after her, just totally changed the story, so he's thrown into prison. And at that point, there were a couple guys in there, the baker and the butler, and, and they'd had dreams, and Joseph was the one who interpreted the dreams by God's grace. The one had a dream and he was going to be killed, and he was. The other one was going to be restored to his position as the cupbearer to, cup to uh, Pharaoh, and he was. And when he was leaving the cell, Joseph says, just remember me. <laughs> remember me. I helped you here. You're back in that position. Hello? But, of course, the cupbearer forgot about him until, you know, the king has the dream. And nobody can figure it out. Then it's like, aha. He had the aha moment. He says, ah, there was this guy. 
Yeah, he interpreted my dream. That's why I'm here today. Bring him forward. Brought him forward. You know, Joseph interpreted the dreams about the famine and the plenty first and then the seven years of famine. What happens? The king puts him in charge. He's second in command of all of Egypt to oversee this. This seems to be something that happens to Joseph's life, Joseph's life, but we forget all the pitfalls in between. We need to remain steady with the Lord. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. So here he's put second in a command. His brothers come, and eventually the king says, hey, bring your whole family here. That's cool. So he tells his whole family, Joseph tells his whole family, bring his whole clan. They come to Egypt. That's how they got there. And now all these years later, the Hebrew children are multiplying and multiplying, and they're just everywhere. And the king starts to freak out. We're going to be overrun. We got to do. We got to get these people under control. So he enslaves them. So that's how the Hebrews become slaves to Egypt. They were just afraid, so they enslaved them. They still multiply. He's got to do something more. Okay, get a hold of all the midwives. Okay, when every baby is born, I want you to kill it. Every baby boy is born, I want you to kill it. Well, the midwives feared the Lord more than they did the king, so they didn't do it. Kept multiplying. What is going on here? Well, you know, it must be the Hebrew, the Hebrew women are just much stronger than the Egyptian women. That's probably what it is. Well, the king says, you know, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to send my staff in. They're going to search out every baby boy that's born, and I'm going to have them drown him in the Nile. Harsh. Can you imagine? So that's what they do. This slave woman's name is Jochebed. This is the setting that Jochebed has Moses. She's fearful for his life. She's been enslaved. Her family has been enslaved. She knows that they're on the search for baby boys. They're going to be drowned. She hides them as best she can. She's got a three-year-old. His name is Aaron. And then his sister is just a little bit older than that. So she's got this baby, a three-year-old, and then a little older sister to take care of, trying to keep them all quiet. She, she's successful for three months. And then the baby just starts growing. It's like, I can't, I can't keep hiding him. And she'd had this idea, you know, the king said he's going to put him in the Nile. I think the Nile's where I'm going to put him because he won't look there. So she fulfills, she makes a basket of papyrus, she makes it waterproof with pitch and tar, puts the baby in there, covers the baby, and then she prays. She prays for him. And then by faith, she takes this little basket to the river, just pushes it out, crying. That's hard. That whole release is hard, isn't it? God, you've got this one. This baby is yours. It's time for me to just let go. This baby's in your hands now. So it's hard for her. She couldn't stay there watching. She still has a three-year-old to take care of, so she has Miriam, the sister, just kind of follow from a distance just to keep track, just keep track of where this little basket's floating. And who picks the baby up? Pharaoh's daughter, she comes down and sees the basket and the reeds and says, one to her entourage, entourage, why don't you go down there, check that out, bring that, bring that basket to me. Opens that basket, she falls in love with that baby, starts to just hold it close, 
Miriam, and I'm sure she was inspired by the Holy Spirit, <laughs> goes running up, do you, need, do you need a handmaiden to nurse the baby for you? Yes. Who does she go get but mama? Mama has her son restored to her all the time until this child is weaned. And this child is raised in the king's palace as one of the king's grandsons. This is amazing. So he gets the best training ever. He just, and, and, and here he's saved. He is saved. Because God knows that one day he's going to be the one that he uses to save the people from Egypt and to deliver them from the hands of the ones that are over them and empower them. God has these things. And here we are in a situation where we have to trust Psalm 33, 11, and then verse 18 says, The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. I thank God for that. I thank God for that. For my kids. For the way I was taught in the way of the Lord. For all generations. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. On those who hope in his unfailing love. I hope in you, I rest in you, and your unfailing love. You will take care of it. You promised it. You will fulfill it. A couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Darrell brought us back to um, a verse in Jeremiah that um, we have read often. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says, for I, the Lord says this, for I know the plans I have for you. We're going to stop there. He says, I know. I know. You don't know. I'm the one that's huge. I see it. I know it. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And they are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me in earnest, you will find me when you seek me. Now, he's not trying to play hide and seek and go, nah, nah, you can't. No, God doesn't do that. The only time I heard Ivana Tompkins say that God, God sometimes has the, the gift of hiddens. <laughs> she kind of made up a word there. But it's like, we have to search. And he's always close. He can always see us. He, he, he never leaves us. But we can't always see him. And the, 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 the thing isn't that he hides, so we have to find him because he doesn't know what's going on. He can't see us either. The search is just to show our diligence, to show our heart I'm pressing in. I'm pressing in. And he said, you will find me. And I will answer you. I'll listen, I'll hear, and I'll answer. I know the plans I have for you. You know, I admit that sometimes I enter into the microscopic mode. And little things get to be huge. <laughs> you know, when that gets to be a lot, then just one more thing. It just gets to be big, and, and they're really not that big. And sometimes I make them too big, and I can hurt my kids. Or, or again, if you don't have children, maybe you can hurt a relationship. 
our children are gifts from the Lord and they're entrusted to us. And sometimes in our efforts to train them in the way they should go, as scripture says, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. But in our efforts to train so diligently, we get a little harsh. And they're not seeing it the right way. This is the way you got to look at this. Well, is the Lord faithful? And I know that um, I'm at a time in my life, and I'll be a little, I'm going to be a little vulnerable here. I'm at a time in my life where my kids are now 19, going off to college. And, you know, it's the time to, even though Moses was in a basket, the basket would be pretty big for my kids, but <laughs> it's still the time to go, that's hard. That's the hard part for me right now. That's what I'm struggling with. You know, and, um, and I already asked my son if I could share this, so I will. Um, you know, sometimes our, pers- our perspectives aren't the same. The way he sees it, the way I see it, it's not the same. But I want the best. But he's just not seeing it the same way. So at one point we had an argument, and then he went off to work. He works at Chick Flick, by the way. Little promo for Chick Flick. <laughs> um, so does Nessa. <laughs> so he went off to Chick Flick, and I went upstairs to the office, and I just began to pray. And I said, Oh God, how do I do this? How do I do this? There's no manual on how to release your children into adulthood. When it looks to you like they're not ready to go there, but they think they're ready to go, how do you do that? And I just started crying out to God. And he gave me a picture of Nick's heart. And I sobbed for a long time. Because, you know, I don't know all the struggles that go on in Nick's heart. And you, you don't know all the things of how your kids process or, or that other person in the relationship processes things. And how they've processed a lot of things that have happened in their life. And I didn't know a lot of things that happened in his life. But the Lord started to show me. And I just sobbed. I could see his hurt. I could see his pain. I could see his struggle. It's like, I had no idea. I had no idea, God. Forgive me, God. I don't want to hurt my kid. And um, how do I let him know that I just love him? I just wanted him to know that you've got it. And so the Lord just said, write a song. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what I do. So I started writing, and I could hardly get it on paper. It's all scribbly. And so I started singing it. I could only sing the first line, and I'd start sobbing again. Sing this first line again, start sobbing again. Like, how am I going to sing this for him? I can't even get through it. So at about 20 minutes, I just tried to remove the emotion as much as I can and just sing it. So I could sing through it without sobbing, and I, so I recorded it on my little iPhone in the office. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and when he came back that night, I picked him up. I just said, "Do you have a minute? Can we go to the office?" And so I tried to sing it, couldn't sing it, <laughs> so I had to play it for him. Um, so I asked him if I could play it for you. 
So what you're going to hear is the actual um, recording of that night. So if we can play that. I'm so sorry, son. I didn't mean to hurt you. Never meant for you to doubt yourself. For someone else Just get so scared Wanna keep you from the pain you face Wanna help you set your life in place To run the course and finish the race With joy, with peace All I ever wanted was God's that's our heart. We don't want to hurt our kids. We want them to see a big God that's got a plan for them. God has a plan for me. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for each of us, and he's big enough to fulfill it. I can't afford to let the basket go. I can't afford to do that. I can. In Psalm 105, it says, the Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him sincerely. We can have that telescopic view. He will come close. The reality of his closeness can be ours. I want to read a scripture from James 4, 8. And here's the setting. This is in the New Testament. There had been some quarreling going on in the church. Some fighting and stuff happens and and earlier in that chapter, there's just a call that James, write, James writes. And he said, humble yourselves before God. Resist the enemy and, and he'll go. And then here's the verse. Draw close to God and he'll draw close to you. He'll do it. Go to his word. Let it be the telescope. Your prayer life be the telescope to bring the vastness of who God is close, to bring him close. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask or think. And we can entrust our dreams. We can entrust our children. We can entrust our purposes to the very care of the Father. He's faithful. So we're going to pray this morning. You know, um, Pastor Senior, if you would come and, and pray over the ladies. You know, all, all you ladies, mom or not, we all have relationships. We have Difficulties sometimes releasing in faith. 
to God the things that he's promised he's going to do. Let's let him do that. Women, if you could stand and just come down to the front. We just want to pray over you real quick. And then, um, Pastor, we'll pronounce the blessing, and we have some gifts over here for you. But if, if you'd come forward, just kind of gather around here. We're going to bless you. We're going to bless you in the name of the Lord. God is able to come close and to minister to us and to give you his blessing, to give you his promise, and he'll be faithful to perform it. Praise the Lord. What a tremendous message on perspective this morning. How many times we get so microscopic, we need a microscope to get the big picture. Amen. Can you all step forward clear to the front so that uh, people can get out of the aisle? I'm going to ask my wife, Jerry, to come up and stand beside me. And uh, Leslie, Daryl's wife, why don't you come on up? And uh, my daughter, Jody, I'd like for us to stand here together. Come on this side. My wife's never behind me. I'm. She's Where's Mark Oh, okay, fine. Forget Jody. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to include my daughter on Mother's Day. What a mother she is. And all of you, congratulations to you. And thank you. I think we all should say thank you, Leanne, for that per- message on perspective because we're all in that place. Sometimes we get so close to the forest, like Rachel, we can't see the trees. May God give us the big picture of what's going on in, inside in our hearts. Uh, men, why don't you stand out there with us and stretch forth your hand toward the women. What a great group of ladies. Isn't that wonderful? Look at this. Isn't that amazing? I didn't know there were so many ladies in the church. This is great. And uh, Leslie ordered the gifts uh, on the table, so if there's not enough gifts, it's her fault, right? <laughs> I, think there's, I think there's enough gifts for Asia. And after we pray, to um, yes. go pick up a gift, and then we're going to give the blessing of the Lord before you go over there. But uh, Can you join hands? Would that be all right, ladies? Because there's not enough of us to go around and just join hands as yeah. you pray. Thank you. Join hands. Everybody just join hands with one another, and uh, let's believe God. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this service, for a day. We can honor those who have borne children, those ladies in our life. Thank you, Lord, for deciding that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone and you made a helpmate. Thank you, Lord, for all the ladies, the young ladies who aren't even married yet. I thank you, Lord, for those who are mothers, for grandmothers, great-grandmothers, for those that don't have children. Thank you, Lord, that we can learn the perspective, what it means to see you at work in us. Lord, I just pray. Just begin to pray for the person on each side of you. Each person begin to pray. Men begin to pray for the wives up here. Let's just have a moment led by the Holy Spirit right now. And let's begin to pray for each other. Hallelujah. God, begin to move on each person that's here. Lord, you've got a plan for our lives. Know exactly what you want to do in us. I pray, God, bring to pass your divine fulfillment, O Lord, that your blessing shall be upon us, O God. Pray you bless every home represented here. Bless the men that are standing out there. Help us to have a, an experience, a Leanne experience where we see what 
the person's like on the inside rather than interpreting from the outside. Help us not to micromanage everything, but trust you, O oh God, to bring to pass what you want to do in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the ingenuity, but I pray that you might superintend each of our plans so we won't take things into our own hands as we saw this morning, but that we might see what you want to do. Thank you for families. I thank you, Lord, for the representation around this altar. Thank you for the ladies. Some have worked so hard this past week because they have a, 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 a passion for it. They have a burden to help people. And I thank you, Lord, you can use each one of us. The women, the men, the children. You can use us all. Help us, Lord, even be this service this morning. Be more dedicated to you than we've ever been before. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Going back to the time of Moses, let me give you the blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Do it for us, Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Amen. Do we need supervision over there? Ask the folks to go over and help with the gifts. Uh, stop by the table on this side. People on that side, if there's nothing left for you, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't plan it. But uh, you just were on the wrong side of the church, I guess. But come on, move over there. It's, um, uh, I forget what it is. It's a mirror, keychains, all kinds of things with a scripture on it. Oh, that's good. Leanne's going to bring it to you. See, she is moved with compassion for the people over here without anything. Isn't that nice? Step right up and take one, everybody. Thank you. God bless. You may, you may be dismissed. All the men, take your wives or your sweetheart out to lunch or something and have a great day. God bless you all. Amen.